This is Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hardell. Toronto's News, today's talk, 640 Toronto. Well, it's the weekend, my good friends. I really like Mondays. That's my new mantra. I love Mondays because, uh, well, it's a bull market. Uh, when you work on Bain Wall Street, that's the type of words we use, bull and bear. Uh, what does it mean? Well, bull market, uh, market is pointing higher. Bear market, bear is uh, angry, uh, scrapping. Um, so if you read the folklore on uh, bull and bear market, it was actually a, an unfair fight between a bull and a bear. The bear was tied up to a pole. The bull and the bear would fight. But, of course, being that the bear was tied up, he was handicapped. And, uh, well, the market's sort of that way, too. It's not handicapped per se, but uh, recessions handicap uh, the economy. And But they end. And uh, the bulls do win over time. Market does go higher over time. Just look at the history. Look at the charts. Um, lower left, upper right. And that's why well, uh, I remain optimistic about the future despite all of the negative headlines and they're always going to be there uh you just look beyond and look at the direction of the market and get i think much better clues um but you know as jack and i help you build wealth uh again you got to work save invest repeat and then once you're retired you get to play spend invest and repeat play spend invest repeat that's i don't know if that's a better part of the uh cycle but it certainly is a key part uh, harvesting your wealth uh, but we don't want is to have some what should i such a phrase this scumbag can i say that on radio yeah i'm gonna say that some scumbag uh defrauding you of your wealth um i have a number of clients who uh know firsthand family members or themselves who have been victims of fraud. Uh, So much so, one of my clients who has a credit line on their home, it's never used. All of a sudden, they look at a statement and they have a $250,000 debit and they flipped, rightly so. And they went down the bank and said, what gives? And they said, well, someone came in with a blank check. They signed your signature and they wrote $250,000 of it and the teller passed it. Uh, in this case here, the bank is on the hook. They're fine, but uh, wow. Uh, there's a lot of different types of fraud out there. And uh, I'll tell you, uh, when it comes to the internet, uh, that probably is where the next war is going to be won. And uh, cybersecurity stocks certainly are part of our portfolio right here, right now. They're working, the likes of Cscaler or CrowdStrike. They're working, uh, protecting your networks, protecting, protecting uh, your intellectual property. And uh, that's easy if you're a great big corporation, but uh, individuals like you and I, we have to become better educated as to how to protect ourselves from the fraudsters so that they don't bamboozle you out of the money that Jack and I have helped you build over time. You, you do the work and we'll give you some great ideas to help uh, maximize your opportunity. But when a fraudster comes along and defrauds you, boy, oh boy, you needn't be embarrassed by this. You need to, as soon as you realize you've been defrauded, seek some help. David Milosevic, uh, he's a managing partner. Uh, he's been on Hi-Fi Radio many times. He is a litigation lawyer, fraud and securities litigation. I work in the securities industry, so he, in fact, would uh, sue and challenge guys like me uh, if I do wrong, which I will not do. Uh, Oh, mark my words, I will not do wrong. Um, Not consciously, anyways. I'll make mistakes, but I won't do any, I won't break rules. Uh, Fiduciary duty is all important, and that's what we have at uh, the Wolf on Bay Street, Jack and I, of course. Uh, But David, uh, I want to thank you very much uh, for joining us. There's a lot going on this year. Um, I have a lot of clients who work in media, uh, production, create, create, creation of content, and what they see uh, coming across their, 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 their desk these days is frightening because they, they're able to connect a few dots. Wow, here is this new creation of content that looks so real and is so easy to produce with the likes of ChatGPT to impersonate 
other people or to add video on top or voice on top of video uh, and just create these images that are completely misleading and completely false but appear so real. Uh, with that note, uh, David, uh, welcome. Thank you very much, Wolf. Good to see you and Jack again. Yeah, no, Kathleen, my wife always warns me. She said, well, if you're a total target to chat GBT because your voice is out there so much and so some bot, I guess, could learn my voice and then all of a sudden start calling up clients. Fortunately, they don't know who they are. Client confidentiality important for that reason. But if they were to stumble across a list of my clients and started to uh, program away, they could wreak havoc. They certainly could. They certainly could. I don't know if you saw, there was a testimony before uh, Congress, before the Financial Oversight Committee at Congress, and there was a lawyer testifying. And he had gotten a call from his son, and his son told him, hey, Dad, I was in a traffic accident. I've hit somebody. I've hired a lawyer. I'm in jail. Call the lawyer. The father, a lawyer, calls the lawyer. The lawyer tells him, you need to post bail. Call the court. The court will arrange for you to post bail. He calls the court. Courthouse answers. They say, sorry, it's after hours call the lawyer back, the lawyer will arrange it. The lawyer says, no problem, fine, I'll take the money, uh, I'll arrange for the bail the following day. He says, go to the bank machine, I'm traveling now, so go to the bank machine, put it in my account, and I'll uh, take care of it. Goes to the bank <laughs> machine, and the moment before he's about to put it in the machine, he says, you know, let me just double check. Calls his son's phone number, and keep in mind, Jack, his son had called him, telling him this. Picks up the phone, calls his son, his son's at his cottage, and he says, what are you talking about, Dad, I'm at the cottage, I don't know what you're talking about. Someone had called the son, spoken to him for a couple of minutes about some pitch for some product that he didn't want. He hung up. They got a voice print of his wow. of his voice, called his dad using his own voice to try to scam the dad to send the money. Now, what is a person to do in a situation like that? That's how sophisticated the frauds have become. You know, the same thing happened to my brother uh, who, who recently did pass away, God rest Russell soul. But uh, he got a, such a call about five years ago. Um, and he, he is a... a, a Average working class individual, uh, but and, and they were impersonating a friend of his. And fortunately, the conversation went long enough for Russell to uh, connect that it wasn't uh, legit. Uh, but it, but it's frightening. It truly, truly is frightening. Um, let, let's move move over to something that may be of use: uh, identity theft protection. Uh, what's your opinion on it? Uh, and as a Canadian, um, are there good vehicles to help protect your identity? There are. I mean, essentially, they're going to be insurance policies. Uh, so you have the devil's in the details. Take a look at what's insured and the level of identity, identity theft protection you're going to get from the payout. Uh, some are just electronic identity theft protection, so something on your computer. Uh, others are actually insurance policies that if your identity is stolen, they're going to pay out for whatever the amount of the fraud is. So there's a whole host of products out there on the market. It depends on which one you're talking about. Yeah, but uh, again, I'm, I'd be leery about this. I think most would be American products. Uh, so as a Canadian, insurance legislation is a uh, of, or country of origin, I believe, product. Um, I'm insurance licensed, and I think it's provincial, isn't it, Jack? Our, our, our insurance license, I think, are provincial. Your licenses are provincial. They are provincial, correct. Yeah. Uh, do you know of any uh, brands that Canadians can look to, to to do some homework on? I actually I don't know offhand, Jack. I don't know what, any brands offhand. Uh, sorry, that's sorry, okay. Wolf. That's okay. <laughs> sorry, no Wolf. problem, Dave. Yeah. No problem. Um, if you're just spending time with us, uh, Hi-Fi Radio show about money. Uh, I am Wolfgang Klein, portfolio manager, along with my partner Jack Hartle. Uh, we're talking about uh, fraud, uh, identity protection, and uh, well, scumbags out there who want to. Uh, bamboozle you out of your money. Uh, 
We're here to help you uh, minimize uh, the risk. Um, so, uh, David, help us out. Um, what should a consumer do? Again, in, in 2024, what are the key risks and how can we protect ourselves uh, from the uh, fraudsters? Well, I think still the biggest one is one that's now starting to look a little bit more old-fashioned but works very, very well uh, is the text messages, the unsolicited text messages, WhatsApp messages that people are getting. So at my small office, I get on average 40 to 50 people a week calling me. So we're talking hundreds of You mean prospective clients? Correct. 40 a week? 40 to 50 a week at my small office, hundreds a month. And they're calling me with an identical scam. I think we once uh, touched upon this at a previous time that I was with you. So the identical scam is someone gets a WhatsApp message, a text message saying they'd send it to you, Wolf, and it says, what's up, Jack? And you'll answer, it's not Jack, it's someone else. They'll start a conversation with you. They'll tell you about how their investments have gone so well in Bitcoin. This is generally a Bitcoin crypto scam. And they'll say, look, go on the website, and they'll take you to a legitimate crypto website, you know, crypto.com and whatnot, and they say, here's how you invest. And they'll show you, and they're going to show you returns. Now, there are fake returns that are generated. There's an app you can buy that'll generate fake returns, fake statements, and they'll show you how you're... <laughs> there's an app? There's an app. Yeah, it's just Hold been on. banned. How's that not illegal? Yeah, okay. It, it, it recently banned from the App Store, but you can imagine they, uh, uh, oh, the they get new been, ones. So uh, the app has been banned from the, the App Store, but then new apps come to market. Exactly right. you got to be kidding. No, no, no. Wow. And so uh, they get the people to invest and they show them they're making good returns. They say, you know, I've got an even better site for you. Why don't you transfer from there to this other site? Again, a legitimate looking site until you look really closely and you'll see that the IP address is somewhere centered in Malaysia or somewhere like that. You transfer it into that address and you start putting money, transfer from your bank. You uh, start transferring money into that website. And when it's hit enough, they're going to say to you, oh, if you want to withdraw your money, send a little bit more, there are taxes and whatnot. And that's when you know the scam is near the end. It's usually when people have started to show some suspicion or whatnot, they'll give you the final, well, there's a tax bill thing. That's when people usually call me, they say, how can there, there's a tax bill? Uh, they'll, they may or may not pay that, the money's gone. I had a woman, she called me yesterday, and most of these are unsophisticated people. A woman, she called me yesterday, she went to the bank, she mortgaged her house, she got $900,000 mortgage on her home, older woman, almost retired, and money is gone. I can't do anything to help $900,000. Not to mention the cash he gave. She was already a few hundred thousand dollars in on the cash. 900 on the house, mortgage to the hilt, money's all gone. I can't do anything. If we have time, I'll tell you about, a little bit more about how the scams work and the criminal gangs that uh, organize them. But that money is now gone. 40 to 50 a week, Jack. That, that, that is unbelievable. David Milosevic, uh, managing partner, Milosevic and Associates. He's a fraud and securities lawyer. Um, you know, lately in Toronto, there, there has been a complete uh, epidemic of home invasions uh, and robberies. Um, it's been frightening. It's certainly in, in, in my neighborhood, I hear it throughout the city. And uh, I was told by one real estate agent, in fact, it's not locals doing it. It's actually a, a, some migrating people coming up from the south who do it every year. And they, they just migrate from town to town, uh, wreak habit with it, and then move on. And of course, it's car theft. And uh, the same with the technology, key fobs, uh, it can be easily uh, replicated. And as such, stealing cars has never been easier. Uh, and of course, often in your car, you leave all kinds of personal information, uh, which can really compound the problem. Um, again, you're a fraud and securities lawyer, but I'm just curious in terms of these types of criminal activities, it's you know, there's more and more crime. What can you say about that? 
Sure. Well, there's a ton on there. And as you said, Wolf, it's very easy. They drive by the neighborhoods with a little antenna sticking out the car window. The antenna picks up the fobs. The fobs, any car that you see that might be triggered, you go for it. If it's in the garage, you leave it. If it's in the driveway, you take it. And what's happening in our locality is all of these, as you probably know, are ending up at the Port of Montreal. They're loaded onto containers. Off they go overseas. And we'll talk about that a little no, bit no, more. No, no, that's good. Because I heard a story. Zach Kim, uh, our key uh, partner at the Wolf on Bay Street, Zach does such a good job, doesn't he, Jack? Absolutely. No, he, he told us a great story. It was an unbelievable story where a friend of his car was stolen from Montreal. And he actually left a bag tag, uh, an Apple, what are those bag tags called? Bag tags, right? Air tag. An air tag. Left an air tag in his car. I, I think by, 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 by chance. And all of a sudden, he was tracking the movement of his car. And it quickly ended up on a container, and it almost traveled the world, the darn thing, but ended up on a container, and I don't know what country it ended up in, but the local authorities, because the container had a seal on it, they couldn't open the container to verify what was inside it because of the seal on the container. Yeah, well, look, uh, I think if we look at the issue, whenever you have a big, large-scale problem like that, you look at where the bottleneck is in creating the problem or potentially resolving the problem. Where's the bottleneck here? You can have policing out on the street, try to stop all these criminals, or you can go to the problem, which is at the port, which is the inspection regime at the port, but which creates the political issues about allowing further inspections at the port given... Maybe uh, what I will politely say Please. might be the cultural issues preventing further inspections at the court. Uh, at the port. I, I want to talk about that. We're going to do a quick break. I want to talk about what you think of the cultural issues. Uh, I think it's the Hell's Angels running these ports. Uh, you tell me otherwise. Hi-Fi Radio. It's a show about money. Uh, you know, making it, saving, investing. It's all key. But when a fraudster takes it from you, not good. That's what this show's all about, helping you build wealth and hang on to it. Hi-Fi Radio each and every Saturday, 7 to 8 p.m., right here on 640 in Toronto. Do tell your friends. Don't go anywhere. There's more Hi-Fi Radio in a moment on 640 Toronto. I do love that song. Oh, Joe Strummer is one of the greatest. Yes, that's what they should do with all those fraudsters. Make them break rock in the hot sun. Hey, I come agree on. With that. Break some rock. Do that for 10 years and we'll see how many cars you key fob away from people's driveways. Uh, friends, if you have a garage, get rid of the junk and put your asset in it. I see it all the time. I drive down the street and people open up the garage and I see boxes and hoses and crapola upon crapola, tricycles, and I see seniors walking out of the house. Like, what's with the tricycle? You know, the grandkids? No, it was theirs. They just threw it out. And yet they got their, I don't know, Cadillac or BMW or whatever is sitting in the driveway. Yep. And then they wonder why in the morning it's gone. Put it in the garage and close the garage and don't flash your wealth. It's just a target. Uh, give it to charity. Compound it, you know, take care of your family, uh, but don't flash your wealth. It'll it'll bite you in the butt. Uh, David, you frightened me off air, and you're just, I said, stop talking. Don't spill your popcorn in the lobby of the movie theater. Keep the popcorn for the movie. You got some good popcorn. Uh, we're talking about the ports and um, the bottlenecks and these cars getting swiped. And then, so I saw on the news, a bunch of Canadian cars ended up in Italy. 
Um, and again, as the container was open, the, the police were there. Uh, but Zach's story about that key fob following their stolen car around must have driven the owner nuts. And he had actually had a he had a hire not private investigators, but hire someone to actually break into the port or get into the port when they're unloading that particular container to take a picture of the vehicle so that their insurance company would pay for the vehicle. Uh, so they had to go to great lengths. And they ended up in the, in the United Arab Emirates somewhere, Jack. Uh, I think it was in the Middle East, yeah. In the Middle uh, East. Lots of resources that, that was for sure. Insane. So, uh, Frank, excuse me, uh, David um, Milosevic, you lawyer, fraud and securities lawyer. If you need him, by the way, Milosevic and Associates is where you will find him. Milosevic is M-I-L. O-S-E-V-I-C, Milosevic. Um, what's going on in the ports? I always thought they were run by the gangsters, the Hells Angels, and, uh, you know, when these ships and containers come in, they sort of put the dirty ones aside, and when the average foreman's on site, they'll say, just stay away from those. Don't worry about those. Just take care of the other ones. Those are fine. I, I, I took care of that for you already. So it like, sort of mums the word. People work, they know what's going on, I think. What do you know? Because the one in Hamilton, that, that, that's a key hub for Ontario. Obviously, the one in Montreal for the St. Lawrence, that's key. What do you know? What goes on in there? Well, um, my father, uh, back in the 80s, uh, he had a company that supplied the ships that came into the port. So when they needed to be resupplied after a long voyage, he'd go in, and uh, they'd take very large orders to resupply the ships. So I spent a lot of time growing up uh, sitting on the ships with the captains from uh, all over the world, got to know a little bit of the culture there. Wow. Um, so it's a very, it's an interesting world. You've, um, you've been to sea. Uh, I've, I've been uh, on the ships uh, when they're in port. I haven't been to sea. Wow, that's going to be um, cool. That'd be fun. I don't have my sea legs. That'd be fun to walk on one of those things. It, it was very fun. It's uh, it's quite a culture. There are captains from around the world at that time. Uh, Russian captains were very popular. Huh. Uh, so there was a lot of vodka that would go around before deals were made. Um, really? Yeah. Like literally? Oh, of course. Uh, but uh, the uh, port itself, um, it's a unionized environment. And uh, in Montreal, there are various interests that are involved in the port. And I think politically, the issue is to make sure that uh, negotiations uh, are held that don't uh, uh, alienate all the various interests that would have to be brought together in order to get real enforcement occurring at the port, because that's our problem. We don't have sufficient enforcement at the port. The number of containers that are actually examined, uh, or that should be examined, is minuscule. It's a fraction uh, yeah, what, what, per- what, what percent of containers are, are examined? I'm curious. I, I, I've checked the statistics. I was actually looking at them recently. Um, by uh, Canadian exa- uh, examinations are a little bit higher than some other ports, but usually somewhere in the single digits percentage, maybe 2-3% um, of so containers. Are of containers uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and so there, there's a real problem. So if we address that issue and there's no longer the possibility to export the product, the criminal supply side, dries up and yeah. goes somewhere else. I remember watching Gone in 60 Seconds, uh, Nicolas Cage. You watch that movie, Jack? I haven't seen that Oh, you'd love it. Watch. Have you seen it? David? I've seen yeah, it. It's yeah. a good, good movie, eh? Yeah, yeah, great movie. It's old. It's the 90s? Yeah, 90s. But it's a really, really good flick. Uh, I want to pivot over to, um, your, back to your where you open up with your text messages. Again, off air, you're, you're sharing some incredible content. The, the listener needs to hear this. Um, so text messages. You're telling me now that there is a text message camp with kidnapped individuals 
programming these things and coming up with these ideas? Talk to me. Sure. So I was wondering, I mean, I'm seeing, as I said, uh, Wolf, so many of these coming into my small office. It's, a, it's an enormous messages. number. The text message frauds, frauds the ones yeah. that I explain, you get the text, they bring you into a crypto investment. Uh, just to add insult to injury, what happens in those after the person's defrauded, they sell the names of the of the victims to secondary fraudsters. Oh. Uh, I don't know why they don't do this part in-house too, but they tend to sell out the names, the lists, and they sell them to recovery firms that will call the people and tell you, look, if you give me $10,000, I'm going to get your money back. And here, in fact, is a printout of where your Bitcoin went. And since, as you know, Bitcoin is a public ledger, you can show where the money went, it looks actually really uh, convincing. Oh, they actually know where the money is. I'll pay them, I'll get it back. That's the secondary fraud, then they're done with that person. Oh my God. In any event, so uh, I was wondering, how is it that these are so big, so widespread and identical in nature? And I began looking at them more. And what it is right now, the main locus of activity, there are a few, but the really the main one where it's become a local industry is in Myanmar and Burma, where there's a military junta that rules the country. So they make deals with the military in order to run these in the jungle. They're run by Chinese criminal organized gangs. And they are, you know, like large data centers, very modern, hundreds and hundreds of workers. The Chinese mafia, they entice workers in by advertising for all kinds of low paid uh, wage labor around Southeast Asia. People come, they take the job. When they get there, they're essentially kidnapped. They're put into these uh, into these armed, uh, guarded facilities. And they're told you have to defraud people in the West. Here's your list. Here's your script. Here's what you need to do. And the high performers get certain benefits and perks, eventually can buy their way out. Uh, the low performers, I I don't know what they do with them. I don't have that much information about what actually happens there. Um, and so it's an organized business generating billions and billions and billions of dollars. This is a major growth industry. Uh, and that's how they're scamming people in the West. That's on my head spinning. My head spinning. Again, yeah, so give the listeners some real helpful points as to how they can protect themselves. Obviously, if it's too good to be true, it probably is. Um, but People also don't out, listen to that, out. Wolf. They don't listen to the too good to be true. We, I've had three <laughs> or four conversations this past week talking about I can get mortgages that are risk-free for 13 14%. And I've talked to clients. I said, who do you think they're lending to? And this is, I'm going to say, I'm not going to say. It's not fraud. It's not a fraud, but it's very misleading. It's very misleading. misleading. So if it's too good to be true, even at a low level, like you got to just use some common sense. Yeah. Uh, What what about uh, uh, something Jack and I have thought of doing, and we we probably should uh, initiate or instigate it, is the use of passwords from now on. Uh, Give a client a password, and every time we speak, just for verification purposes. And this is not new speak. It's been going on for four or five decades, but that would help, would it not? Oh, yeah, 100%. So uh, my closest friend, he is um, uh, up at at one of the big banks, uh, VP of technology for the bank. And I was talking to him about some of the tech issues that can address the fraud. And really this simple two-factor authorization identification that we have through our phone that's really being used almost everything that you see these days is it's hugely preventing fraud. So just a standard two-factor identif- uh, authorization through your phone with a security code. That, that should be that uh, every business. I think in a few years, it's going to be considered negligent if the business doesn't have it um, because the fraud is going to be so widespread now with the AI. Yeah, that, that AI is really, really frightening me. And again, these getting phone calls, um, getting video sent to you. Uh, people look like me with my voice uh, uh, superimposed on uh, it's just absolutely frightening uh david uh, milosevic managing partner milosevic and associate she is a fraud lawyer and a securities litigation lawyer uh 
if you think something's up, uh, you may want to give them a call. The one that uh, concerns me the most, and frankly, the lion is going to be joining us next, but uh, title fraud. Uh, people somehow pulling off that movement and getting your asset that's title-free or clean uh, all of a sudden strapped on with a mortgage. How do they pull that move off? They, so there's, that's a, a real, that's another epidemic in Ontario. An epidemic? It's an epidemic. In Ontario? Oh, oh hundreds God. and hundreds and hundreds of people. Tell us. Uh, so uh, I've been consulted on that over the years. Uh, I've tried to take it. There was just a class action uh, that uh, was certified um, just a few days ago. Uh, on that issue. So what happens, it's really done through door-to-door sales. People will come door-to-door and they're going to sell you uh, home equipment of various types, uh, air conditioning equipment, uh, water filtration systems, whatnot. So they get your signature on agreeing to it. It's a hard sell, but it sounds like a good deal. It's $5,000, you'll pay it out over time, and we're going to register something against your house in order to secure the contract. What they do, then they go and they register against your house, not the five grand, but 50, 150. Usually they prey on older folks who the idea of even checking their title doesn't even occur to no, them. No, of course they don't not. Even know the, I mean, no. I don't check my title. I don't check my title. Uh, and so they register the large interests on the title. Uh, if there's an attempt at a sale, um, something comes out. First of all, they're getting payments on that all the time and demanding payments on it all the time because the large amount of principal obviously it's going to take longer to pay over time than $5,000. Uh, and then if there's a sale and then death and then a state sale, there's something registered on title that needs to be paid out. No one's challenging it. For $150,000, it's not, frankly, big enough to get a lawyer involved, really. Uh, not to mention if it's 50. Um, so a lot of people are just negotiating and paying it out. There are a few companies that are particularly involved. Um, and there are uh, hundreds, thousands. I mean, I know of hundreds myself. Uh, I think it's probably thousands of people at this point who've been affected in Ontario. Thousands? Oh, yeah. Good golly. Hi-Fi Radio, um, my good friends, being forewarned is being forearmed. That's why you want to listen to the show each and every Saturday on 640 Toronto. I am Wolfgang Klein, money manager, portfolio manager, along with my partner Jack Hartle, uh, spending some time this evening with uh, David Milosevic. Uh, we're going to stay on the theme of real estate. Uh, Frank Leo, the lion, is going to talk to us about the market in 2024. Uh, it's going to be very, very informative. Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. There's more Hi-Fi Radio in a moment on 640 Toronto. Somewhere deep inside, something's got to hold on you. You like Little Crowded House. And it's Frankly, the Lion, broker at Frankly and Associates, started in the real estate market in the recession of 1990. And it's amazing. Uh, Universal will be my first home, but that's, I think, right about when I bought my first home, and I watched it go straight down for five years, and I sold it at 96 at the bottom, and I moved up market. Uh, yep, I took my loss, my friend. That's uh, Jack, that's actually where I learned to take my losses. Uh, I just remember reading book after book about any asset, and uh, you have to learn to cut losses in assets. Don't ride them down and hold them down. Trust me, it's not the thing to do. If it's not working, get out uh, and fix the problem. Now, don't stick with the problem. Anyways, uh, Frank Leo the Lion, it's, it's amazing. I get lots of great research across my desk each and every morning. That's what Jack and I do. We just comb through research and charts and 
analyze trends to try to make our clients money, which if you go to our website, wolfgangkline.com, you'll see that we make our clients very good money. In fact, I think we rank at the top 5% of all uh, advisors uh, in the country based on performance. And uh, we'll just go to the website and compare your statements to our work. And I think you're going to nod you and say, wow, these guys are good. Uh, 30-year fixed mortgage rates in the United States going back to 1971, Frank. It's incredible. So in 1972, um, that was actually the Nifty 50 era, Jack. Uh, sort of sound, sort of similar to now, eh, with the Super 7 and Magnificent 7. Nifty 50 were 50 stocks that you had to own uh, in, uh, on Wall Street. But uh, back then, interest rates uh, started around 8%, uh, went to 10%, and by 1982, at 18%. You're complaining, are you? Yeah, think about 1982, 18%. And a couple of years later, well, that Crowded House song came out, and interest rates fell. Uh, yeah, crowded house. Houses, I guess, were packed in 1982. Uh, but uh, rates hit bottom, and that's what pushed assets through the roof. People couldn't understand, well, it's great house. Houses always go up because houses go up. No, houses went up because interest rates went down. And, uh, Frank, I can't tell you how frustrated I have, I, I've been throughout many years speaking to people in the real estate industry, not really understanding that. And I, it disappointed me. You understand it. I know that. And you've always understood that. Most don't in your industry. They don't really give any credit to interest rates and how it truly affects the value of your home. Why? Because it affects the cost of money and how much you're going to have to pay on a monthly payment. Um, but rates are going up or have gone up. The question is, what's the next move? And pause appears to be the statement, uh, but when are they going to lower interest rates? So uh, we have an opinion, Jack and I. Frank, what's your opinion on mortgage rates? Well, yeah. Thank you for having me on your show. Always. It's a great show, and uh, people do need financial guidance because uh, there's a lot of uncertainty out there, and doing it on your own these days can be very dangerous financially. Uh, and interest rates are changing all the time, so that's something that, that's been going on for a long time. And I, you are correct. When they came down, prices went up, but in everything, because mm -hmm. everything became more affordable, yep. at least monthly payment-wise. Yep. Uh, what we're seeing right now is, I mean, people are hoping for interest rates to come down. The problem with that is that if they come down at this year at the middle or end of the year, there's a one and a half year lag time before you feel the effects. The yeah. real question here is, is what's going to happen to those people who are renewing their mortgages this year, next year, and the year after that have have great increases coming to their monthly payments? That's not going to change. You know, one of the things people don't realize is there's there's three stories going on in the real estate market. They're very different stories. Tell, tell us. Number one, we have the people who've been in their homes for a long time, and they're unaffected by what's happened because they haven't made the move. First-time buyers have accepted the new interest rates, and they know that they, they can afford less with the same monthly payment. So they've accepted buying a smaller home. So we're actually seeing a lot of activity in the first-time buyer arena mm -hmm. because people are jumping back in and we're seeing not enough homes right now in that market. But what we also have is the stress of people who bought pre-construction, bought brand new, who three, four years ago thought it was going to be a great investment. Yeah. And now those properties are not, are not, they're uh, not closing out. Yeah. They can't borrow the money on it. And they're, they're being wiped out because, you know, I was told by someone which makes a lot of sense in our country, in Canada, the banks are very much geared towards real estate as an investment option and tool. So they'll lend money on real estate. They'll be less likely to lend on businesses. Mm -hmm. So people, if they want to make money are jumping into real estate. And as a result, you know, they're getting funded in real estate so they, and they jumped in strong. You know, some people have four or five pre-constructions coming up. Oh. Yes, yes, it's a yeah, big yeah, problem. Yeah, it's funny. I remember I heard, heard of people back in the 80s, Frank, you remember this, when they'd walk into a 
an office, uh, a temporary office with a temporary lease would be the showroom. And uh, there was a, uh, an easel with a board and a, a diagram of the floor plan and dots. Dots. Dots, right? Dots. You know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to buy some dots. Did you ever hear that, Jack? No, I haven't Yeah, yeah, dots. That. They're like little red stickies. They put the stickies on hey? there. Yeah. Yes, I'm buying some dots. And uh, and all of a sudden, yeah. You, you were mentioning you, 89. That happened. That wiped out a lot of people because it, they went you know, crazy in about four or five properties and they couldn't close on them. So this is not something that we haven't seen. And the third silo, I mean, people who are renewing also are facing the high increases, but it's the people who bought in the last five years who's now their properties are no longer worth what they were and now if they want to sell they're going to be underwater mm-hmm. and so it's it's very different for very different people so this is all happening simultaneously but there's one more sector that really got killed and uh, I, I, there was a story out yes uh, this week about last year 20 percent of all renters did not uh, pay their rent on time 20 percent of renters are renters hmm. so that means that all these small-time investors who own these properties are are having problems. And, and the other wow. thing is- Wow, 20%. One, one in five, yeah. The, the thing is, is that- That's not good, because they will end up on the street eventually. How, how difficult is it to get rid of a tenant uh, not paying rent in Ontario? Uh, that's that's the catch. Tell, tell me. So the problem is, by the time you get someone to the rental tribunal to complain about them not paying rent, you're looking at about 10 months of no rent. Huh. Ten months, no rent. Ten months before you can get a hearing and get yeah, them so, out. So two thousand bucks a lucky. month. That's twenty grand. If you're lucky. Well, no, it's not twenty because what's happened. No, I'm just saying it's two thousand bucks a month times ten is twenty well, grand. You know, some of the people that we're talking about here, their mortgage went up two thousand dollars when they had to refinance. Oh yeah. oh yeah. So now they can't increase the rents because the rent is 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 a fixed figure. It's a two point five percent increase per year. Yeah, and, and Olivia Chow is going to raise property taxes by nine. That's fair. Property no tax problem. goes up, but you can't you can't raise the price on the on the rent. But own I can raise the price on you, the owner. And the mortgage Thanks, is going up. So these poor small investors are now facing a monthly deficit that's so huge wow. they can't handle it. And so we're anticipating a lot of properties coming in the market to get rid of the problem and and also the negative cash flow. Interesting. Frankly, the Lions spending some time with us this Saturday night. Uh, little chilly out, eh? Is winter back? I don't know, but, uh, well, spring is in the air, and that tends to spur on some real estate interest. And it's really interesting because there really are two markets in North America, the U.S. market versus the Canadian market, and it is a tale of two cities, uh, shall I say. But we got to pay some bills around here. Of course, entertainment, of course. want to keep the lights on so we can continue to bring you such quality programming, shall I say, such as this, Hi-Fi Radio. It's a show about money. It's a show Jack and I produce for you. I hope you enjoy it. Stay tuned. Want to make more money? Stay tuned for more Hi-Fi Radio on 640 Toronto. Bless my heart. Bless my soul. Gotta love it. Alabama Shanks. See, those people who have held on to their homes forever, they don't have a problem. And I'll tell you, I think people are holding on to their homes, uh, frankly, of the line. I see no for sale signs, or virtually no for sale signs in the city of Toronto. Uh, true or false? There's there's more coming up. Watch, coming up. Yeah, yeah, watch I, after March break. You know, it's amazing. Um, again, I got some U.S. statistics here, and I'm sure you see the U.S. stats. I'll, I can, I'll give you this paper when I leave or at the end of the show. But uh, U.S. existing home sales, uh, annual. It's quite the chart. Uh, it tends to, so sales trading hands in the United States. Wide range. Uh, early 
uh, millennia, shall I say, you know, Y2K post, uh, roughly 7 million ha- uh, homes changed hands uh, in 2004. Uh, then you had the financial crises and Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac and AIG and all that good stuff. Uh, the money centers closed down, shall I say. Home transactions dropped in half to three and a half million units. Uh, then you come back up through COVID and you see 6 million units trade hand in the United States. And then you raise interest rates and you drop down to just under 4 million units trading hands. Existing home sales is important. You want to see activity and transactions. And right now it looks like it's at the lower end of this range. What are the numbers in Canada? What was the annual high for home transactions and what's the annual low? And where are we sitting right now, Frank? Do you know offhand? I don't, I'm pop I don't, quiz. I, don't I, do, I do that to Jack usually. Uh, oh, this could be the answer. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> there, there is a, a big difference with the U.S. and with uh, with Canada. So I don't have the exact figures, but there's more transactions going on and more need to sell here in Canada than need, the U.S. Need, need. to because sell. Because the, the difference, the main difference I can tell you is that the U.S. has 30-year mortgages. Yeah. So when you're locked in for... For the at two percent or zero, you're, you're there for thirty know, years. We we know we have clients who did just that. But do you not have images, gentlemen and and, and friends at home? Do you not remember during the financial crises the uh, the Buffalo News or the American News that would always spill into Canada? I'm not talking about super duper baby. I'm talking about <laughs> the news, and they would uh, show you street after street in America, middle America. With for sale signs, every other home had a for sale sign on it. Reduced, um, vacant. yeah, but the, those weren't for sale no, by saying, owner; they were for sale by the bank. They were just trying to get them whoever, off their books at the time. Whoever, I'm just saying the the image that they gave us was the all of America was for sale because they picked the street the, where every other home was for but sale. There's something. There's a few things. So over the years, you know, without knowing the intricacies of each market, it's very different. So you have a 30 year mortgage. So you you don't want right now in the U.S. You don't want to sell your property because. You have to get a higher mortgage. You're good where you are, so they're not moving, and there's less on the market for that reason. Because they don't have the portable mortgages that we have here. That's Correct. right. You right. Can, you, here you can port, but it's five years, so we have to renew here, and there's the pain, so people are, are unloading homes because they can't afford them. But the other thing in the U.S. that really is different is that they can walk away from a home without being sued. Yes, no recourse. No recourse. So even there's if... There's recourse in Ontario. That's right. That's right. That's right. Loan defaults on our Canadian banks is so low because there are consequences. That's right. You have to pay. What about Alberta? They had no recourse for a long time in the 80s. And so people were walking away. Walking away, leaving the case. I wonder if that's still the case. Do you, I, don't, do you, I don't think you know, so. I don't think so either. I, I think, think they so. changed their legislation. Yeah. Um Frank, let's talk then about the condo market. Uh, what's 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 condo worth per square foot? Has it moved? New new versus existing, and we're the talking new, the core. The new properties having a big problem because what's happening? They typically are selling two fifty a square foot more than the existing condos. And then what price are they going? Are they fetching these days? I know it depends where, but depends where it depends where. The thing is, is the gap is is so large that before people would jump in. Assuming that by the time they close, it would catch up and have a a positive net worth on the property, they can unload it and sell the paper. Right, that's not happening now. No. So now, even though they're trying to build condos, they can't sell them. So projects are slowing down. There's less home b- being built right now because of that. Yeah, that's a question I was going to have. So if you look at, at the housing shortage, it's very political now. You see it in the news, mm-hmm. and it's it's gone all the way up to the feds. So it's a serious issue in Canada. You talk about housing supply coming onto the market. But there's no new building. So where does it balance in there? Are we going to be uh, a buyer's market or seller's market over the next, well, six months really doesn't account for construction. But going forward in Canada, do you see a buyer's or seller's market for the, I'm going to say, short to medium uh, term future? 
Well, based on the amount of people coming into Canada, uh, it's going to be a uh, shortage of supply. There's yeah, no question I, about I that. Even with all the houses coming on the market. Yeah. So you talk about the people yeah. that have stress that recently well, renewing all be, that stuff going on. There's more homes that are going to be sold because people have to you know, get over the stresses of the financial aspect of their, their mortgages, et cetera. So you have three years of pain going through. Once they renew all their mortgages after three years, then people have accepted the new rates and they can live with that. So, but that doesn't increase the quantity of homes available. So you need to have more more homes coming on the market yep. and being built, and there's not enough there. So, Frank, let me ask you this question. You run a big business. Um, you're the largest uh, agent in Canada, or certainly one of well, the largest. We're, we're, we're on top the, of the ahead, world. We sell the most homes in Toronto and the GTA for, for Remax so year after year. Year so, after year, you yeah. sell the most homes. Okay. Uh, how many homes do you currently have listed? Uh, our inventory, we, we're, we're turning them over, but of course. We're, we're good. I mean, we're busy no, because... Yeah. So how many homes do you have listed right now? Right now, I would say about 110. You have 110. So that, that's a decent sample size. How many of those sellers are distressed sellers? Uh, you know... My next question is name and address. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> how many distressed sellers would you say? There are people who are, are moving because they need to. There's, there's quite a few. I don't have a percentage only Ballpark. because... Rip, pull a number out of the air. Or, know, or the, I would say spot. at least... 30% of people are doing as a stress. You think 30% are stressed of your clients, eh? I'm not saying they have to sell in the sense that they can't hang on, but it's not comfortable. Yeah. Just, wow. We'll call them motivated they're, sellers. They're motivated right. sellers. 30%, that's serious. You know, the, but it's not just real estate. It's it's really the, the cost of living has affected all of us. Big time. And we're feeling it in all ways. And so something has got to give. And unfortunately, what we're seeing here is a lot of multi-generational homes where parents, kids, and even sometimes grandkids living all together now, that's becoming more of a thing. Um, First-time home buyer, uh, average age now? 35. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm, yeah. I'm sensing. And uh, are they coming out of mom and dad's home to make that first purchase? Are they coming um, out of an apartment to make a first that's purchase? That's coming out of a home because they're, they're coming from the a home. cost of rents are, are it's, it's huge. It's insane. Yeah. It's in, and I, when I take my dog for a walk, and this really disturbs me, um, there's these old low-rises in Toronto, the yellow brick, probably built in the 50s, Frank, and they're all over Toronto. You see them. Mm-hmm. Uh, yellow brick, low-rise, maybe four stories, no air conditioning, no elevator, uh, easy to build, and they just generate cash for the for the landlord. They've been Those landlords have been sitting on them for decades, not doing a lot of betterment. Long of the short, they, they flip them over every month, but I, I walk by with my dog into some apartment, basement apartment units, and the, no curtains, so you can sort of look inside as my dog's squatting on, on their grass, which I pick up, of course. Um, but I see three and four people in these 600 square foot apartments living. You know why they won't they won't move though? They're they never going to move no, because the rents are so low. They don't move. And again, when when you move, good luck. They're going to it's just going to cost you too much money. But to see three and four people living in a small apartment, Frank, it's depressing. Like it, 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 life can be very difficult. Friends, it can be difficult. I'm here to help you once again. You got to save money. Work, save, invest. I don't care how you do it. You have to do it. And you have to let time work its magic. $5 a day saved and invested at 9%, which is a reasonable long-term target. $5 a day saved for 40 years is $741,000. Five bucks a day becomes $741,000. The sooner you start, the sooner you can compound. I'm here to help you, um, but you have to help yourself. Work, save, invest, live beneath your means. Stay at home with mom and dad as long as you can. First-time home buyers, savings plans are now available. We offer those. They're they're beyond uh, generous. Uh, you get a tax deduction. Uh, uh, the money grows tax-free. You take the money out tax-free. And if you decide never to buy a home, you can roll that into an RSP. So get an RSP boost. Uh, it's a very, very good tool. Much better than taking money out of your RSP for a first-time home buyer's plan. Jack, you can do both, can't you? You can take out home buyer RSP and... You can, and you yeah. can actually, I would say, contribute from your RSP to the first home savers account as well. 
you and make you, a transfer. And do you get the tax deduction if you make the transfer? No, no, you already got the tax okay, deduction. But, you, but you don't have to pay it back down the road. And it grows tax-free. Both you don't have to pay. Oh, that's good. That's interesting. They made uh, it's an excellent, excellent account. Excellent. Frank Leo the Lion, uh, one of the finest. Great brand. Um, brands matter. Reputation matters. And uh, getting the good advice, honest advice, is so important. Uh, price your home properly. Uh, no different in the market. I don't screw around. When I want to buy something, I buy it. And when I want to sell it, I sell it. I don't nickel and dime. Don't do that with your real estate agent. You know why? The market will wave you bye-bye. So if you're serious, then do what you need to do. And that's what this show is all about, helping you build wealth. Uh, my friends, I wish you a great weekend. I want to say thank you for spending time with us. And uh, I look forward to spending another hour with you next weekend. Any questions? WolfgangKlein.com. All the best. You've been listening to Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hardhill, portfolio managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any questions about money, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. Hi-Fi Radio, for the love of money. Join us again next week.